Hello, and welcome to the Wild in Theology podcast. This is our seventh episode, uh, the second part of our Wild in Theology company acid trip. Uh, in this episode, we talk about um, my experience, we focus on my experience, and then some of the issues we had at the end of our trip. Um, don't worry, no horror stories, no, no things going wrong, more just learning how to navigate the psychedelic experience with another person. Uh, but before that, like I said, we talk about my experiences and how I became God. So strap in, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a really cool podcast. Um, also, we are on social media. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at Wild and Theology. You'll see us by our um, profile picture, which is the same as the one you see as you're listening to this podcast, hopefully. Uh, you can also find the links to our social media in the show notes or the uh, description for this podcast. So yeah, just definitely follow us. We're going to be posting more and more and more and engaging with our listeners, those of you who are down to stick with us for uh, the long term. And thank you so much. Enjoy. Okay, we're back, folks. Here to talk about Will's experience on acid. Mm -hmm. Because I just went on about mine for quite a while. You did, honestly. That was the last episode, even though we're still sitting recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sorry. you, this is a new episode. You, the viewer, this is a completely new episode. We've not we've we've actually gone away from each other and then came back. Yeah, um, fresh. No, we didn't. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's get into my acid trip. Right, my first time doing acid. <laughs> like I said last time, um, just a lot of anxiety with it. Being around somebody else was very daunting. And it was so funny, like, like I said, again, last time, I wasn't even scared about doing acid. I was scared about doing acid with somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done psychedelics enough that I'm not really, I still respect the experience, but I'm not really scared of the experience because I've experienced really intense emotional shit while on psychedelics i'm like okay like it's just if i can experience that i'm sure i'll be fine i've had like really bad trips where like mm -hmm. i get caught in thought loops that are just repeating over and over and over again so like i've experienced a lot of shit yeah exactly and so it's just like okay whatever you know you're you know? gonna be okay yeah you kind of yeah. have like that baseline level expect the unexpected yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and it's like I, we've had this conversation before where i'm like this was after the first few times of doing mushrooms again after like a two-year break and I, the, all of those are just very emotionally intense. Like I, I describe them as harrowing. And I said, you know what? Even though I don't enjoy them at all, and it's a very harrowing experience, I still get so much out of them mm -hmm. that I would like, even if all of my trips are difficult and not enjoyable whatsoever for the rest of my life, I would still do them every once in a while because I think that they are valuable and I get something out of them, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so that's kind of where I approach them now where it's just like, whatever like whatever happens happens and i can be fine with that i can yeah. not be afraid of that unless i'm with somebody else and then that's a whole <laughs> new story <laughs> that's a whole new story yeah yeah yes. yeah so <laughs> basically what i kind of found to calm myself down is or just like take my mind off the fact that i had this like overlying 
you know, dread cloud hanging over me. Like, oh, and this is during the come up right yeah, now? Yeah, okay. this is during the come up. Yeah. Um, I started reading um, the Bhagavad Gita, Eknath Iyaswaran's translation of it. And it was just like the, I think I got to like the first like 25 to 30 pages maybe. Damn. Um, so I, I got a pretty good, but it wasn't into the actual Bhagavad Gita itself. Yeah. It was just like his preamble to set the stage, give a little background. And uh, this one quote really stood out to me and it kind of guided the rest of my trip. It was like, if you don't know, the Bhagavad Gita is a discussion between Arjuna and Krishna, or so I imagine. I haven't read it. I'm just reading the preamble so far. Um, Arjuna being a prince and Krishna being like the god of gods, kind of. Um, And at one point, Krishna reveals himself to be all things, right? He kind of tells him, I am the god of gods. I am in all things, right? And how Eknath is kind of interpreting this to mean is that everything is God, right? And so he kind of says this conversation between Arjuna and Krishna is not between this God and Arjuna. It's not external. It is instead, I quote, between the ordinary human personality full of questions about the meaning of life and our deepest self, which is divine, right? Wow. It's a beautiful quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really, it really stood out to me and I was just like, oh, that's really nice. Right. Can you say that one more time just for me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> between the ordinary, the conversation is between the ordinary human personality full of questions about the meaning of life and our deepest self, which is divine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I really like that too. And, uh, in kind of this period was really, like we said last time, kind of boring to say the least mm-hmm. like we didn't get high for the first like two hours it was just like I, like you said last time we were both just too resistant to mm-hmm. it and so we took more and it was at this point that i actually started feeling something and more stuff kind of happened mm-hmm. and uh i was just kind of sitting there just feeling this these new sensations in my body and this new kind of type of thinking and throughout the experience I never really got high like it wasn't really like a it wasn't anything like the mushroom experience at least or kind of but like not really like I didn't feel high right I just felt very like philosophical and it seemed as if my stream of consciousness was going slower as if it was moving through like molasses or something Mm -hmm. right and so are you you talking not before we took more but even after after, so in the the entire experience you don't feel like you actually like got high like high is in like a full-blown trippy experience or you know the thing is is this was my (laughs) first trip so i don't really know i don't really know i like i don't really know what to expect with the experience yeah right because i feel like this experience is quite common with lsd so it's not nothing like um just some grand experience, but like, I just don't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. It was my first thing. So it's like, yeah. when I say I didn't feel high, I guess what I mean to say is like, I didn't feel like I was drunk or on weed or on mushrooms. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, those are the three things that I can really relate that back to. Like you didn't feel like, you... cause like, yeah, like, Oh, what is high? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, again, we can get into like yeah. this debate about like what that actually means, but like, I just felt I very like, clear headed. Yeah. Like I feel the very intent- clear headed. The intensity of the experience wasn't like yeah 
overpowering or anything yeah. you were very much like you felt sharp and clear and in your right exactly. mind exactly yeah, yeah okay. very sharp and in my right mind but again just like the stream of consciousness was just a little bit slowed down okay right so like i'm just just to try to understand mm. and like compare it to my own as well because like yeah i definitely feel like i was like full-blown high but um but yeah like the mental sharpness i find is like such an amazing quality about mushrooms and acid most mm. of the time like sometimes you it's interesting because you feel more clear-headed than when you're sober yeah because it's you just there's like the sharpness and clearness of in the moment and even though it's slowed down especially sometimes i mean every experience is different so i, I try not to make like generalized generalizations about like acid in general or mushrooms in general but i know that a lot like my experience too was like there was that sharpness and clearness, but the slowness for sure, because I, I did feel like every thought that was coming, like I could like really analyze it and really yeah. see it through to its end, which is wonderful. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you're really getting into like philosophical ideas. I mean, I think on acid, that's definitely what I experienced. Mm -hmm. Mushrooms is completely different for me. Mushrooms yeah. is like a tangled web of oh, nonsense yeah. just all over the place. That's true. Yeah, yeah. like, oh uh, yeah, I've definitely had in, like my most intense mushroom trips are like thoughts, 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 thoughts so fast. I can't yeah. see any of them to the end. And yeah. It's just like, okay, I'm just on a roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. So this was just like much more sharp and yeah. slowed down. It was mm -hmm. just very slowed down, um, but still felt that anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And so I kind of started thinking about... Actually, like I started thinking because of you had expressed to me at this point that you were very like uh, being very anxious, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started just like thinking about like a shy person, mm -hmm. right? And just being in the shoes of somebody who was shy. And I started thinking like, what would that person be like in school, right? I can't remember exactly how this came about, but I remember thinking about like this person in school who um, would be like, and this is their thought process is like, is that person staring at me? Do I have something on my face? Is it something I'm wearing? Are my clothes not good enough? Mm -hmm. They think I'm weird. They think I'm stupid, don't they? Right? And I just kind of like got into this thought loop and I started like getting super anxious and just like I felt this like shroud of darkness come over me, mm -hmm. right? And I'm just like getting into it. I'm just thinking like, wait, 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 right? I'm doing this to myself right now. Like take a minute, stop, take a step back and be like, that's like what they're doing to themselves. That's what I've done to myself when I get mm -hmm. into these like anxious spirals. It's just like I'm so focused on all these negative thoughts about like what somebody else thinks about me that that just becomes the entire reality. Mm -hmm. And it's like this constriction of consciousness that happens. And like I've kind of I don't know if this is actually true because like how can you really judge like the size of your consciousness? But I feel like when I was really anxious before consciousness was like constricted or, or, or contracted in. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, like my consciousness is far more expanded. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, they always talk about like, Oh, expanding your consciousness or like, um, becoming higher consciousness and all this kind of thing. It's like, they use this language because it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And when I was in this experience of like becoming a shy person, and really getting into like the thought process of this person, I felt my consciousness contracting in on itself, mm -hmm. right? 
And once I realized that that's what I was doing, I like I started calming myself down, just like breathing and just like you know scanning my body and just becoming just like more in the present and being like, no, I don't have to think about that, right? Mm. Um, but then, because I'm like lying on my back, I kind of like looked at the ceiling and I noticed that on like either side of my periphery, I saw like these two golems type things, like these two titans crouching over me, right? And it's not that I saw them, like it wasn't like these clear, vivid hallucinations. Mm -hmm. It was more like the outline on the periphery of my vision mm -hmm. was in the shape of these two things standing over me, right? Yeah. And again, I started getting anxiety because in my past mushroom trips, I've had experiences where like I see like demons in my periphery. And this was something kind of similar, but they, they look different. Like these, this was like a new, um, I guess, hallucination, let's call it. Mm -hmm. And so I started getting anxious, but I was just like, no, 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 no. You, this is like a common thing for you on psychedelics. You know how to work your way through it. Just accept mm -hmm. it. It's fine. They're not actually there. It's just like, it is me putting that there. Like I'm projecting this pattern on a, a, a completely neutral external reality. That's all me doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrote down in my notebook after working my way through this and kind of just breathing and they slowly kind of d d went away. Right. And I said, there's nothing looking back. It's you. Mm -hmm. Right. I wrote that in my book and it's just like, I, I kind of realized that it's like, if I'm looking at the ceiling, that is in my consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. My brain is literally making the texture and color and proportions of this room in my own mind. That's like a, a simulation that my brain is making. Yeah. Right. So literally when I'm looking at you, I'm looking back at myself Yeah. because I have never actually seen you. I've just seen the light that's reflected from you and converted into an image inside my own brain. Mm -hmm. So literally I'm looking at myself. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fucking mind blowing yeah, when I first like, like realized that. You are the stimulus. The stimulus doesn't exist. It can't exist outside of you, like your perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you, it's you. By necessity, yeah, yeah. Your perceptions of anything around you are your perceptions, so they are taking place within your brain. Yeah. Right. Let's not get into it. For <laughs> 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 now. Breathe. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, like I, I just kind of realized that and I was just like, okay, yeah, it, like it's just me. It's just me projecting these golems or these titans, whatever they are, mm -hmm. onto this neutral perceptions, right? Just like whatever yeah. it is, right? And just kind of like breathing was like, okay, yeah, it's just like, it's just you looking back. It's nothing like there's nothing to be afraid of that you see because at the end of the day, it's, you know, you're an acid, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then I kind of just started thinking about that. I was just like... It's like me looking back at myself, right? And I started thinking about like how when I'm, I'm talking to somebody or even when I'm not talking about someone, I'm just like thinking about somebody. I'm not really knowing them. I'm knowing my perceptions of them, mm -hmm. right? It's like I have a character in my own mind and I relate everything that I see another person do that is represented by that character back to that character. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have a character of Kaylee in my mind, like something that there's like a list of all your attributes of all your likes and dislikes, everything I know about you, specific memories and everything that is completely imperfect and has only 
it can only hope to approximate the actuality of what you are. Wow. Right. And so like when I'm discussing anything with you, when I'm sitting here having this conversation with you, I'm, I'm trying to be, and this is like speaks to your conversation. I'm trying to be like authentically myself and just like say things to me, but there are certain jokes that I know not to make with you. Like, I know that like, you don't like a certain type of music that I like. So I'm not going to be like, Oh, let's go listen to Mashuga together. <laughs> I feel like you might, but like, you probably wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, I'm open. Yeah. yeah, you're open. yeah so that's exactly yeah, it. It's like, yeah. I had this like preconception that it's like, Oh, she would never like Mashuga. And so I never sit down and be like, Oh, let's listen to, you know, bleed or dancers to a discordant system or something yeah, like that. Yeah, even if right? you had, like, you were so moved by a song by Meshuggah and you had, like, experienced this, mm -hmm. you might not share that with me. You might not tell yeah. me about, like, your experience of that music. Cause you might have yeah. just, like, wrote it off in your mind as, like, oh, she wouldn't get it. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> maybe you would, but maybe. the character that I have of you in my mind wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so I make that decision. Mm. Right. Wow, there are like interesting parallels between your I know, your yeah, experience and mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like uh, you know, I have this with like, like this speaks a lot to like stereotypes and and mm -hmm. racism and and all this kind of thing, where it's like you only ever have a character that represents a certain group of people, even not just like a specific person, but a specific group of people. And when you are racist or transphobic or whatever it is, that's a very toxic character that doesn't reflect reality. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you have to understand that you always have a character in your mind and not the actual thing. And so that comes back to the idea of fake frameworks that we talked about in the last that. episode. It's like, <laughs> it's never the true thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I would hope myself, like I'm sure I have implicit biases about different groups of people. Like we all do, of course. But at least consciously, I'm not racist or transphobic or anything like this. Yeah. But I still have to accept the fact that I'm just dealing with a character. That mm -hmm. I have this like stereotypic black person or the stereotypic trans person or the stereotypic whoever it is. And I always have to be conscious of the fact that this is just a character that exists in my mind and it's not the real thing. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I started getting in touch with myself about like, how did I think about different people? But it, it got even more meta than that, where I was like, well, who am I to specific people, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, what character am I in different people's head? Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about like, get, like I wrote down in my journal, like take time to get in touch with who you are to specific people, right? And it's like, what do I represent for them? Who am I to them? Do I honor that? Mm -hmm. You know, in what ways do I need to honor that? Right? Because some person might have a character of me and what they expect me to do. That is just completely the antithesis to what I want to do with my life mm -hmm. or what I, how I want to be me. Mm -hmm. Right? But to a certain extent, I still need to play these roles that I have. Right? If, I, if I'm somebody's son or if I'm somebody's brother or if I'm somebody's friend, I need to... There, there's certain obligations and responsibilities that come with that. And it's not like you're, they're being like necessarily imposed upon me. Like I want to rise to those, but I still understand that those are roles that exist in another person's mind, that I am a character in another person's mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just became very much aware of that fact that again, I am somebody's son. I am somebody's brother. I'm somebody's boyfriend, etc. Right. And I realized that I am not simply an individual, 
but I'm instead a person inextricably connected to the people around me in that I defined them who defined me, who defines them, etc. It was not merely me having a representation of them, but was also their own representation and how those two representations changed as they interacted, mm-hmm. right? And so through my actions in these people's lives, I was looking back at myself. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. You know what's really interesting? When mm. I was doing <laughs> when I was journaling for mm. this podcast, I was like, who is Will to me? Yeah. And I wrote about that because I was trying okay. to like understand where like all the resistance was coming from yeah, and yeah. like like why? Cuz obviously like resistance means that there's something that's not meshing. Like mm-hmm. there's like something that's you're you're coming up against. So that's really interesting that you were like thinking about who you are to other people and the like However much that agrees or disagrees with who you actually are, like it's almost irrelevant yeah. because like that's a whole different thing. Like you will to you and you will to somebody else are like almost, they're like they're of the same thing, but they're separate mm. because like that's another person's subjective experience. Mm. But I mean, they're not really separate though because well yeah not completely for sure like it's always like the source is you and it's inseparable from Mm. that but what i mean to say by that is that who i am to that person is going to influence how they act toward me yes yes you know what i mean and so it's like which influences how you act towards them yeah exactly (laughs) so it's like how much am i really just how I view myself Yeah. when I can't separate the fact that I am all these roles that I am and I have mm-hmm. to interact with people on a daily basis and I exist in all their heads as this imperfect character that influences how they act toward me again like this this process of yeah. interacting it's like how can I say that I am an individual when I'm so defined by how other people perceive me to be wow right also when you're saying this I'm like imagining like like you in the center and then all these people with like little mini wills in there. <laughs> and they're all like different versions of you because yeah. everybody only knows like a portion of who you are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Combined with the complexities of that person and their, all of their experiences and memories of you. Yeah. And the thing is, is like they may have a better understanding of certain aspects of myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my mom probably has a very good understanding of my childhood that I just don't have because I didn't remember that. Yeah. You know, like I don't have those memories. And so my mom has like, for a certain period of my life, has far better understanding of what I've been through than I do. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So that kind of was a thought where it's like, I realized that like my individuality was a fiction in my own mind. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was just mm-hmm. like, the, the, like I'm, I'm creating this delineation between who I am and the outside world, when the outside world just influences, that's just like what people think of me. There's also all the different things that happen in the outside world that move me this way and that way, that like, oh, it's raining today, so that's gonna change what I do mm-hmm. with my life. You know what I mean? That's just like a small thing. Like there's government systems, all this higher stuff that influences all that I am. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm an impermeable individual that is just completely in charge of everything I do and think and say. It's like, no. Even the stuff I'm saying right now, I'm only saying because of previous influences that have shaped how I think and the kind of things that I like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly like some aspects of individuality, but 
where does one end and one begin is my mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. You really don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, I don't know if this next thought really emerges from that. I was kind of thinking about it and trying to like get them to connect. But I started thinking about the topic of like self-reliance, right? And the idea that like, no matter what you do, you are the one putting responsibilities on yourself, mm -hmm. right? And so like the, the analogy that kind of came to mind is like, let's say that you have a person who works at, um, they're just, they're, they're, they're a cashier at like Walmart or something, right? Mm -hmm. The responsibilities that this person has on them are different than the responsibilities that say a politician or a CEO or some kind of leader has on them. There's a very clear difference in like the, the intensity of those responsibilities, mm -hmm. right? And what I was kind of thinking while I was in, in, in the trip was that no matter what the difference is, that person is always putting those responsibilities on themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. If you choose to be a cashier, if you choose to be a politician or you choose to be any other job or any other role, whatever it is, by engaging with that role, you are putting those responsibilities on yourself and then you choose to rise to those responsibilities or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, like, I don't know if self I don't know if self-reliance is the right word, but th there's a sort of like self-imposition of reality where like, no matter what you do, you are ultimately doing it to yourself, mm -hmm. right? If does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, when you say self-imposition, I think I get that. Like, yeah, you take on all of that. It's kind of like the idea of free will in a way. It's like, I don't know, mm -hmm. like you chose to do that. You, you never had to. Yeah. Like I was recently watching a Teal Swan video and I haven't watched her in a while, but like it was on discipline and she talks about how like there's nothing you have to do like mm -hmm. you could just stay in bed and like shit yourself <laughs> and die basically yeah. like yeah. you don't have to get up in the morning mm -hmm. you could just stay there and i was like whoa that's really yeah like you could and that's that's kind of like what i was thinking about it <laughs> where it's like at, at any moment right now i could get up and leave and go live in a buddhist temple for the rest mm -hmm. of my life i don't want to mm -hmm. but i could do that right and it's like you could say like oh i have debt i have responsibilities to my family i have responsibilities to my friends i have things that i want to do with my life but it's like those are all responsibilities that i'm imposing on myself mm -hmm. and i can say like oh well you know the the government of canada is is expecting me to pay my debts yeah. right but if i again if i just like went away to a different country and lived in a, a Buddhist temple somewhere, what are the government of Canada going to do? Like send somebody to find me and be like, no, you have to pay your debts. You've got debts to pay. It's like, mm -hmm. no, I could just live there for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Right. But I choose to engage in Canadian society. And so I have to pay back the debts. Mm -hmm. Right. And so again, there's like a certain level of like, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a hundred percent what I'm saying. Cause there are definitely certain factors outside yourself that influence what you do, mm -hmm. but you are at the end of the day, choosing to engage with those responsibilities, mm -hmm. I guess yeah. is the point. Does, does that make sense to you? And you agree? Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, because I was having a difficult time wrapping my head around this. Yeah. Actually, I, I think I remember at one point in the trip too, when mm -hmm. you were going through this and you were trying to explain it to me, yeah, yeah. but I wasn't getting it. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I'm glad to be like in my right mind, okay, understanding cool, cool. you now. Um, <laughs> We're trying to so far. Perfect. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is not going to make any sense. <laughs> so 
I wrote down in my, in my journal then, after I kind of like went through this thought process, every moment is yourself doing it to yourself. Even externally, you are it, right? And this basically led to a, I guess what I can only describe as a God realization, mm -hmm. right? And I wrote down a few paragraphs as I'm like realizing this, because this was a very cognitive realization. This was not like a body-based thing. This was not a anything other than me just like working through an argument and an understanding. And through working through that understanding, I suddenly experienced it. Mm -hmm. in my in my direct experience you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so i'll read to you like the the paragraphs that i that i wrote to myself while i was just thinking about this because like i i was I, I as soon as i wrote down that last thing i said about like it, you know even externally you are it yeah. as soon as i wrote that down i was just like oh fuck like there's something big here and i felt this like feeling in my chest and my body and it was just like oh my god there's some like follow this through like go through this argument in your head and like figure this shit out. And mm -hmm. so I started writing this. So if you are talking to somebody, you are doing the conversation to yourself. In the act of engaging with that person, you are setting up a situation in which you will have more material to work with and to play with. Sure, the person you're talking to is as much a part of the conversation as you are, but firstly, at any point, you can walk away. So no matter what they say, you can end it at any time, mm -hmm. right? Secondly, you are still doing the conversation to yourself by engaging in it because the way that you respond is shaping the conversation, mm -hmm. right? So no matter what it is, it is all for your own entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, even the anxiety, right? That's why you fantasize about things going wrong. That's why you fantasize about, you know, relationships ending or you know, the, the world ending or whatever it is, like these anxiety inducing things, you're doing that to yourself by thinking about it. Mm -hmm. All the good things too. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so this may at first seem solipsistic. Solipsistic. Do you know what that is? I like the word. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really nice. It feels nice in my mouth. What does it mean? Tell yeah. me. Okay. Only I exist and nothing else exists outside mm -hmm. myself where it's, you know, you're just a hallucination completely. It's the idea that like, there's, you don't exist actually. You're just okay. a figment of yeah. my imagination, just acting in ways that are, that suit this narrative that exists only in my head. So this may at first seem solipsistic until you realize that you are the universe doing it to yourself in that active conversation. You are the universe fucking itself. <laughs> don't ruin my flow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> The universe is literally playing as each person in the conversation, discussing whatever it is that the universe has come up with to be discussed. You may say that the anxiety is a bodily reaction that extends from outside the mind self, but that is the universe also. The universe is giving itself anxiety through its own experience of it, which is what you experience not as you, but as it. It is itself the building blocks from which the neurological structures of anxiety are built. And you are it. You are God experiencing itself. You cannot stop being the universe experiencing itself at every moment. So no matter what you do or what you think, that is the universe doing it to itself. Stop and look around. 
everything that currently is, is exactly as it needs to be because that is the universe exactly as it is. No matter what you do or where you turn, the universe is creating universe for its own enjoyment. There can be no denial or refutation because the denial and the refutation of the current universe is ultimately the current universe doing the denial and refutation of itself for its own enjoyment. Holy shit. Um, wow. That's so funny. It's like, <laughs> it's like that, like how many times have we seen like that yeah. quote on like a pretty background, like you are the ex universe experiencing yeah, itself, yeah. but to experience that as profound knowing and like seeing it down to the cellular level, that's crazy. Yeah. But also like when you say enjoyment, mm -hmm. where does that come from? Like, how do you know that this yeah. thing that is being experienced like the universe at large, if everything's the universe and your consciousness is your experience of the universe experiencing itself, where does the enjoyment come from? What is being enjoyed and how is the universe an entity that is capable of enjoyment? If, if we're talking about things that, I mean, universally kind of feel bad at a subjective level, yeah. which is anxiety. So, and this is one of the things that like, it, it speaks to what we talked about in the last episode or the, the episode on uh, how real are psychedelic insights, mm -hmm. where this is like a metaphysical revelation about like the nature of reality, mm -hmm. right? And so I don't know if this, what I've experienced is actually true, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, everything that I said up to like the enjoyment part is absolutely true because it is like literally the universe is experiencing itself right now. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's what's going on. Yeah, like, that's we not are like philosophical. That's just like the universe that's happening. Yeah, like every cell in your body is part of the universe, creating your experience. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, like, I don't think we can contest that. I'm sure somebody's going to be sitting here. Well, actually, like I'm <laughs> sure, but like you literally are the universe experiencing itself, right? And mm -hmm. I just became so dumbstruck by this feeling of like being one with the universe, and like I still existed. Like I still knew myself as William, so it wasn't like ego death, mm -hmm. but I just felt completely connected to the rest of the universe. Whereas like, I literally felt like I was the floor, right? Mm -hmm. And so another experience that I had while this was going on is that like, I, I saw this jar on your desk and I was like, the universe has not only created that thing by like its physical properties, it's also created the body, and again, I say created, I, I'm not necessarily saying like, there is something that created it, but like the universe is structured in such a way that there is a consciousness that can look at that jar and appreciate it, right? And have like this subjective quality of beauty mm -hmm. and of enjoyment, right? And so that's, that's something that we can both agree on, that literally the universe has been structured in such a way that there's a jar and there's a consciousness able to perceive the jar as beautiful. Yes. This is the universe, right? Yeah. And so this analogy that I came up with is hopefully will, will get us to like this idea of knowing the universe is capable of enjoying, mm -hmm. right? So from the perspective of an apple, <laughs> an apple is... <laughs> I know. It's, I can't help but laugh. It's, it's funny. It's so funny. cute. From the perspective of an apple, the apple is not part of the tree. 
Mm-hmm. Right, because the apple can look at the tree and say, "Well, I'm not green. I'm not brown. I'm not. I don't have like rough skin. I have smooth red skin." Mm-hmm. Right, and so from the apple's perspective, it is not the tree, but from the tree's perspective, it is not only the the green leaves and the brown bark. It is also the red apple. Mm-hmm. Right, from the tree's perspective, it is all the things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the apple cannot say a property of mine is that I am brown and green. But what a tree can say is the properties of mine are that I'm brown, green, and red, right? And so clearly the tree, a property of the tree is the fact that it is red, mm-hmm. right? And so I am the apple, right? A mm-hmm. property of me is that I am conscious. Mm-hmm. Right, and I can look at the rest of the universe and see all things that I am not. I am not this chair. I am not you. I am not this desk or the, or the computer. All those things that I am not. Mm-hmm. But from the perspective of the universe, a property of the universe is that it is all of those things, but also conscious. Mm-hmm. So, a property of the universe is that it is conscious. So, the universe is conscious. The universe can enjoy through me. Mm-hmm. I existing and you existing. Is precisely what gives the universe the ability to enjoy, and so the universe is structured in such a way that it can enjoy itself, and that's just it, right? And mm-hmm. so it was made there. This jar, this experience of anxiety, this experience of anything else was there for this subjective experience of will to experience it, mm-hmm. right? So why would and, and this is where I get into the more metaphysical side of it, where I'm not necessarily sure if I believe this, but I experience this. Mm-hmm. Where the universe, why else would the universe, I mean, structure itself in such a way to experience anxiety or to experience the feelings of beauty or experience anything, mm-hmm. if not to enjoy it? Mm-hmm. If not to enjoy the feeling of being anxious as a sort of entertainment? Because again, it's just like, that's literally what the universe is doing. The universe has literally structured itself by the laws of how it acts to create a human that can enjoy things. Mm. I mean, like... And also experience anxiety. And because that's like an option, mm. it's like capital G good in a way, you know? Like, yeah, because it exists, it's... I don't know, part of the universe. I don't mm. know, that's crazy. Like It is. This this what this is reminding me of is on my last mushroom trip that we talked about and paint, picking up the paintbrush, mm. I had that experience too where like everything lost its its value as like yeah. a good or bad and it was all seen as just like these are all expressions of the universe yeah. and therefore it is all good. Exactly. Because it's it's because it's the universe experiencing itself. Yeah. So that's valuable. Mhm. And that's like what I kind of get into in, in the paragraphs where I said, you know, the, cure, the current universe is exactly as it is. And so that's just how it is meant to be. Yeah. You, you can't deny that because it's like when I say universe, I mean, just mean all of existence, yeah. all the multiverse, just like whether it's infinite or not, just all of it is exactly as it is. Yeah. It, so it could be no other way. It just can't be yeah. any other way. So it's like if the universe is exactly as it is right now that's exactly how it must be Mm -hmm. 
And so it's like, how can you say that something is good or bad from the perspective of the universe mm -hmm. if the universe is just that? It just is, yeah. It just is. And all of these subjective qualities that I'm, I'm putting on the universe don't make sense when I'm looking at the universe as the apple at the tree. Mm -hmm. But when I'm looking at the apple as the tree, as the universe, it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Because clearly the universe is conscious. Clearly the universe has subjective experience. Mm -hmm. Because I am of the universe. You are of the universe. Like, again, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know how many times I have to say it. Like, it just, <laughs> it's so obvious. Mm -hmm. And like, right? at the individual level, like, when we're the apple that's when we can call anxiety bad. Yeah, yeah. But at that level, that at that higher level of the tree, you can't. Exactly. You can't call it bad. It's and just a part of the universe experiencing itself. Exactly. And so when I was in this state, I just completely let go of the anxiety that I was feeling. I was just like, mm -hmm. it became funny to me. It was like, I, I made this for myself to yeah. laugh at and to enjoy. Yeah. So it's like, oh, these, these feelings in my body. And it's not necessarily that the anxiety left me because I still felt it in my body, but it just became something that I could enjoy. It became entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because again, I was not looking at, at it as will. I was looking at, at it as will as the universe, mm -hmm. right? And another kind of thing I experienced that was kind of funny was that like, I was trying to explain something to you and I forgot what I was going to say. And while I was trying to find it, it like occurred to me that like the universe had forgotten something so it could watch itself find that thing again. Mm -hmm. Again, like it was all occurring in the universe. Like I don't have to say it again. Like, I think <laughs> I've belabored the point enough. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And so I was just thinking that like this experience is at the very least similar to what like mystics and prophets call union with God. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, I don't think I, I, I achieve full enlightenment, whatever that means, but I clearly had an enlightenment experience. And so did you as well, where it's like we experienced ourselves, the, the subject object duality, at least dissolved to a certain extent where we could experience ourselves as the external world. And I experienced myself fully as the external world to the point that like it, it felt so real to me that everything was the universe doing it to itself, mm -hmm. right? And when you look at the, the descriptions that mystics and prophets throughout the ages have used to talk about like union with God, it's very similar to what I've experienced, mm -hmm. right? It's like the Godhead. I think Meister Eckhart talks about that. I know um, Avila, uh, Teresa of Avila talks about this experience of union with God. Um, and then there's all like sorts of Buddhism. There's, there's, uh, Islamic texts about this kind of experience. All of these experiences are people having what I've experienced, many sober, not on any psychedelic. And if you experience yourself as the universe and the universe being conscious, how could you define that experience as anything other than becoming one with God, with this conscious sentient being? Because you're experiencing the entire universe as a conscious thing, mm -hmm. as infinitely consciousness, or as infinitely conscious, rather. And I don't know if I believe in God. I just don't know. But having had this experience, I think that this is what these people experienced. Mm -hmm. And I feel that they could only interpret it using the language that they could, they could have. 
right? I can only interpret my own experience of this with the language that I have, with the influences that I have. Mm -hmm. And so someone living in, in a certain type of culture is going to experience, is going to interpret that, that experience as meeting the specific God of their culture. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, uh, for example, Jesus as a Jew would experience this as him meeting God is mm -hmm. like the, the, the Judea, the, the, the Jewish God, right. Or, uh, Muhammad experiencing the Islamic God, which is kind of the same thing. I don't know exactly the full historical mm -hmm. perspective, but like, clearly he's going to experience this thing when he's experienced himself as one with all things, this monotheistic experience, you're going to come up with like a monotheistic God of all things. Mm -hmm. Right. And Go ahead. I feel like you're trying to say something. There's something, yeah. It just as we're talking about God and believing in God. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about like beyond belief, like if I look at my interpretation of what God is, and basically what I'm asking you is like what you mean when you say God, because yeah. like when I think about God from my own perspective, I think beyond any like cultural definition, mm -hmm. like any personal any religion or culture yeah it's just yeah. like god being like everything being consciousness being yeah. the universe and like obviously you believe in the universe because you're part of it and you're conscious so you yeah. believe in that that's just the truth i mean mm -hmm. you know the, as far as you can see existence exists existence exists yeah, yeah. but then for you would god mean the universe being like a personal thing as yeah. like yeah a, a force of good and enjoyment that's where like the enjoyment would come in yeah because that's that, so that's this, beyond what we can prove is like yeah that there is actually like a purpose or like an inherent mm -hmm. beauty or anything mystical beyond yeah. just like existence exists yeah is that what you kind of mean <sighs> by god i when I say, okay, and this is why I kind of said universe throughout this. Yeah. And I, I did say God a couple times, but I tried to stress universe. Yeah. Is because of how loaded these terms are. And so I'll try to keep them separate in what I'm about to say. So God for me is the sky God, right? This, this being that exists out somewhere who, is, who created all of existence, but is separate from the existence. And so when people are, you know, the average Christian or Muslim or, or Jew would, would consider this God, this outside being, and this is how I had God explained to me, is that this is a being somewhere that is separate from its creation, that you are a distinct soul that is distinct, distinct soul that is distinct. You are a distinct soul from this God, mm -hmm. right? And that like in heaven, for example, there's going to be the king, God, and there's going to be all the other souls living in essentially a physical universe that is a paradise, mm -hmm. right? That's when I think of God, right? And that's what I think that God has really been talked about with most people. That most people, when they think of God, that's the kind of God they're talking about. Like right? most people that like prescribe to a cultural definition of God? Yes. Yeah. Like when, if you were to go out to some random church and like ask a yeah. Christian, that's what they would describe God as. Yeah, I agree. Right. When I say universe, I consider universe to be the universe God, right? What I mean is all things that exist, including consciousness and the subjective quality of enjoying and just existing, mm -hmm. 
right? And whether or not like the universe has, as a whole, has intention behind it, I don't know what I believe on that. Mm -hmm. But clearly the universe has intention in the sense that I have intention as the universe. But does that mean that the universe intended to be guided along a path that led to the ability to experience intention, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? And so if I think of like um, consciousness is like consciousness being this infinite thing, does consciousness exist between people? That if you and I are, are discussing something, we are one consciousness to the other, but in the doing of the consciousness between ourselves, is there like a higher order consciousness that is existing? Right? Mm -hmm. Because clearly consciousness is an emergent phenomenon from the cells in my body organized in such a way. And so if the cells could organize in such a way to give this consciousness, then could there be a higher consciousness, so to speak, when a group of people get together and discuss things or create a society, whatever, there's like a higher order consciousness that emerges from the actions of these people, Mm -hmm. right? Again, I don't know. Yeah. Because there's this idea that I'm kind of alluding to is the fact that the universe is all-knowing insofar as that there is a collection of all the consciousnesses that exist in the world and all the things that those consciousnesses, consciousnesses know, that is all that can be known and the universe knows it. And so the universe is all knowing of all that which can be known, mm-hmm. right? So it's not that the universe is all knowing about all elements of itself, but it is all knowing of all that is known by the individual consciousnesses that are an attribute of the universe, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? And so from that perspective, the universe is clearly conscious and all knowing, but was the intention, was the consciousness prior to all of these consciousnesses existing and knowing all that they know? Mm-hmm. If that made any sense at all. Yeah. And also like the question of if consciousness exists beyond the physical body. Mm-hmm. Like you're a human being experiencing yeah. consciousness. Okay. But like a lot of mystical experiences are like, you're like no longer a human being. You're yeah. not you like ego death. You don't have a body. You don't have an identity mm-hmm. and you're just like soaring through the cosmos. And a lot of people get in touch with like other beings, et cetera and stuff. So it's like, obviously there's kind of no way to prove that, but like, like I feel like that's like a question that people often ask is like, like yeah. does consciousness need a body or is beyond this? Like does consciousness still exist? <sighs> I don't know. So yeah, like that, that's just like another one of those things. It, basically what you're saying is like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't yeah. know. And like the, the questions about consciousness that we just simply cannot prove. Like it's proven that like we're having, having an experience. And the mm. fact that we can have intention means that the universe can have intention because mm. it's conscious. But like beyond that, is there a higher order function of consciousness of intention creating something down here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's and the then that's and, what we're establishing is like the question. It, that is the big question. Yeah. That's like why I wanted to make this distinction between God as like the sky God yeah. and the universe is like something that has intention. Cause clearly the universe has intention, but like you said, does the intention, yeah. like, does it, does it, fuck, 
Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think I hope the viewers get what the fuck we're talking about right now because this is very confusing. <laughs> but this is like at the edge of my understanding so yeah. far. Like this is that literally the edge of my ability to explain my experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I made the distinction between God and universe is that God is... I feel, again, these mystics of ages past had the exact or very similar experience that I had. And they explained it as God, as this thing that created itself from nothing. Because that's the language that they had, because they had the existence of and, and widespread belief of gods. Mm -hmm. Whereas me, coming from like a more rationalist, scientific background... I have a similar experience, but I can only I can only explain that through the universe, through through the language of the universe having certain properties by nature of those properties being contained within uni the universe. But I don't know if the universe itself has intention, mm -hmm. you know, as yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. Again, like if if that if the distinction is clear, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and so my point is that we are we we just don't know. We just don't know because I can only know this experience through my own background, mm -hmm. but I don't know. And we really can't know like what they meant by what they said, because not only are they interpreting this experience that goes beyond words almost, but they did it in a different language in a different time. And that has been translated how many times over the course of maybe thousands of years. Yeah, and by it's like, humans with their own biases. Their own biases. It's like, how can we possibly know exactly what they meant? And so it's like when I read a book and I, I read like the Bible, for example, when I was reading it 10 years ago, I would read it as God, the sky God, the king God. Whereas when I'm reading it now, do I think guy, God, the sky God? Is that what they meant? Or did the writers of the Bible mean God as the universe, as this, this higher order thing? Mm -hmm. And did they think of it as something that had intention prior to or did they think of it as something that has intention by nature of them being one with the universe mm -hmm. right and i just don't know mm -hmm. and that it, that it just it speaks to the fact that like language is so loaded and we never really know what people mean when they say what they say in a book for example yeah. And Hanzi, again, bringing up my, my bi biggest fan of Hanzi, you know. Um, <laughs> fanboy. Fanboy. He, uh, he talks about that where it's like when you're reading this book, you are in a co-creative process because you are interpreting everything I say here through your own background and through your own language. Yeah. Right. And so you, you cannot read a book as a something outside yourself. A, a book is not an individual. Mm -hmm. Neither are you. They're both influencing each other and changing each other by their interaction wow yeah that's amazing and that's so wow wow to compare back to like my experience it was like that was what i meant about like the error in expression and how mm -hmm. it's always there yeah as 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 well as we are able to do it and obviously like hansi and ken wilbur some of the people you're talking about that you've re read they're obviously like high intellectuals yeah who can use language in a very impressive way to convey like their on their ideas in a way that other people can understand but there's always going to be that error because like every word even though we mostly agree on definitions we have our different experiences of that word yeah so yeah everything there's always going to be like a bit of error and disconnect mm -hmm. but like 
is that a bad thing? Like, it's, not, it's just a different thing for every person. Yeah, That's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. But is it different for every person? Like, I guess this specific thing about, like, the God experience. Because you're experiencing yourself as one with everything. And so it's something that transcends language. And at least as far as mm -hmm. I understand about, like, full enlightenment, whatever that means, is that language and sense of self completely fall away. Yeah. And so it's like, is that experience the exact same experience? It's just once we try to explain that experience, we can't explain it in the same way. It, it comes back to like, is your red my red? Is your blue yeah, my blue? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Because you can describe blue with certain language and I can describe blue with certain language and that language may be different, mm -hmm. right? Because like, so, for example, somebody in, you know, 200 years ago or whatever might describe purple as very royal, where I would describe purple as very cool. You know what I mean? Like very mm -hmm. like... Um, low temperature i suppose mm -hmm. right and that's based on our cultural differences we, we're seeing the same thing we have the exact same experience it's just our interpretation of that thing is different yeah for yeah. sure exactly and different that's so interesting i love learning about that too with different languages and i think it's russian there's like mm -hmm. a, a lighter shade of blue and like three very close different shades of light blue have completely different words for yeah. them but for us, it's just like, it's light blue or baby blue. Like, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. have like distinct words for these three different shades. And like, that's, it's just, a, that's a different experience of those shades that they're mm. having. I don't know. So yeah, that was my experience <laughs> so, yeah. of God of <laughs> being one with the universe, the one with God and how Wow. you just, I don't know how to explain that in, in language that doesn't call forth a conscious universe you know what I mean mm -hmm. and again even when I say that it's like okay the universe is conscious because the apple is red right mm -hmm. but is the grander consciousness of the universe is that a thing right I don't know but one thing that I do want to say is about this idea of um, narcissism in this God realization mm -hmm. is People can have this experience and feel themselves as, and describe themselves as becoming one with God, or feel themselves as being far larger than their actual being, mm -hmm. right? And they can come back and become very narcissistic, right? Like Ken Wilber taught, I think Ram Dass's brother uh, had like an enlightenment experience and then thought he was Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. right? Because his interpretation of that experience could only allow him to describe it as literally being the the rebirth of jesus christ mm -hmm. and so this is what happens when the apple confuses the tree for itself if that makes sense where the apple assumes that the whole tree is the apple rather than the apple being the whole tree mm -hmm. right and in a lot of in a lot of um religions like well, i guess like islam and, and christianity islam i know has a a has a line about not replacing yourself with god mm -hmm. right that's like a huge sin and then christianity has the story of like the devil trying to supplant god and being kicked out of heaven so the devil tried to make itself god mm -hmm. right and so in this context it's like there is in the spiritual texts a description of experiences such as this like experiences of union with God, but the caveat that you shouldn't replace yourself as God or you shouldn't try to supplant God. Mm 
And I think what those texts were trying to say, those, those laws were trying to say, is that you shouldn't confuse the ego mind with God. I should not think that I will am literally God. The apple should not consider the tree, all the tree, the apple, mm -hmm. right? You're viewing yourself as from a bigger perspective, not everything through your perspective, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of the quote from the Bhagavad Gita that mm. you had said yeah. initially, which is just like, the divine essence within all of yeah. us and it's like that essence is our part in the universe mm -hmm. as being one of the apples yeah as being a part of the whole but not like the whole thing mm -hmm. i mean yeah like I, I i understand i mean i understand how people can run away with these ideas if you yeah, have yeah. a certain kind of experience when you're on drugs or otherwise but yeah it's just that ain't it yeah, exactly. And it's like, we, we've said this a couple times mm -hmm. now, where it's like, it's very, it's very humbling and it's very like mm -hmm. loving where it's just like, I've experienced myself as all things, including all people. And I remember yeah. thinking of like different people, even strangers and be like, that is me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I am them. And it's just like, it literally brought a like a, just a full, genuine, authentic smile to my face. Cause it was just like so beautiful to me mm -hmm. in that moment that I was just, I was all things. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was it. That was it. Yeah. Holy I am it. You are shit. it. That's crazy. Yeah. So that was like intense and philosophical and metaphysical and all of the <laughs> isicals and Yeah. And all <laughs> a fake framework. It's all bullshit. Wow. And we like, really don't know. But it's wonderful to think about. Yeah. And what what an experience. It is an experience that I had. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that just like adds to your personal development and your understanding of the universe as yeah. a part of it, mm -hmm. as an apple. As an apple, yeah. Yeah. And of course, and like the and there is obviously the caution of drawing a conclusion to like the truth. Yeah. Because there's there's always there's still a gap and like that's a fine gap to have, you know, between like you and like complete understanding of the true nature of the universe you know yeah yeah it's just fun to be alive and to be able to think like this to have consciousness and to be able to explore these ideas yeah mm -hmm. congratulations you're Thank god you. <laughs> how does it feel it feels great congratulations Good. to you too you are god thank you thank you <laughs> we're god we're the godhead basically it's great and really interesting that like because you said this is a very cognitive experience for you like yes. you weren't like when i talked about having like the body experience where I was like, I, I didn't see, I could no longer perceive like, or I was watching my perception disintegrate between like the boundaries between myself and yeah. other, like that was a very like, stimulation body experience. Mm -hmm. But like, it seems it's, it's very comparable to what you're experiencing, but on like yeah. a cognitive level yeah, of like yourself as everything. Yeah. And that's like, I, I've noticed that, like you said earlier in, in the previous podcast episode, is that like, we're very different people mm -hmm. in the sense, and, and the fact that you're very somatic and sensory based where I'm very cognitive is just another example of that. Like mm -hmm. I, we, we kind of came to the same experience just on different ends. Yeah, for sure. Know? For sure. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How much... Yeah. How much is it like dose? How much is it the drug itself? And how much of it is like influenced by your actual mind? Yeah. Because I know 
a perception like I hold and I think a lot of people hold with psychedelics is that they're just like these very powerful substances and they are. Mm. And obviously like we're talking about doses that aren't necessarily earth shattering. Yeah. Like we're still in the room. We're still ourselves. Mm-hmm. But there is this perception that they kind of make you lose your mind in a way where like things happen and you have no control. But I think especially this experience for me, it was showing me how much control I actually have and how much influence. Yeah. I have on the experience that I have. Like the interaction is very strong. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems to be a very common realization for you. It goes like deeper and deeper mm-hmm. each time you have a trip. Yeah. Well, like you talked about like the will and intention mm-hmm. with your last big mushroom trip. Mm-hmm. And then with this acid trip, you, you learned again that like at the end of the day, you have this control over yourself and the fact that you can give up this this need, this toxic need for control if that makes sense like you can direct your will and your attention yeah at whatever you want for sure but and that's and that was like a very conscious thing and like this kind of acid realization is more like i don't know influence based on like your history and like who you are like your personality yeah and like subconscious ways of being and how that influences the experience you have i don't know i don't know (laughs) yeah it's a whole thing it is a whole thing Anyway, that was all really, really good. And then at the very end, we fucked it up. Yeah. So like, I mean, <laughs> I live and learn. And yeah. I think, I think it's just, we live in a society. <laughs> um, we currently live in a COVID world and yeah. where we are at in Montreal, there is a curfew. I think at the time it was eight o'clock still. Yeah. Yeah. There's an 8 p.m. curfew. And obviously we started, started tripping at like 11 we took acid at 11.30 and it lasts a long time. And like, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I, I can't fully interpret your subjective experience and like my subjective experience, but mm-hmm. I think I definitely got higher yeah. in a different way. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like that end point where I talked in the last podcast where I was like peaking when I was lying on the bed and like everything was happening, mm-hmm. um, I don't need to go over all that again, but that was like a really intense experience. And like the, the mental and physical process of getting there, of getting to that like open state took a long time. And it was like full of valuable realizations and valuable practices of loosening up and, and surrendering and having this beautiful experience yeah. at the end of it. But there was this, I don't know. Okay, I'll back up for a second. Earlier in the day, this because this has to do with the curfew bit. Yeah. Earlier in the day when we were like kind of thinking like, oh, what are we going to do? Like, oh, maybe we could go outside, go for a walk. Like that's always a nice thing. I think we can all agree being outside mm-hmm. when on psychedelics is great. Like the yeah. sky and trees and nature. And it was beautiful. And it was, yeah. yeah. Um, but because of this curfew, there was this pressure like yeah. we have to structure ourselves around time and doing activities and like there was like this pressure to do this thing that we had said we were going to do and there was the time pressure and obviously like the beauty of getting to that place where I was like completely surrendered was that time didn't exist to me Mm -hmm. like there is no later there's no clock I don't know there's no before there's no after there's only now what comes from that, especially with tripping with mm-hmm. somebody else, which was 
our intention, which was to bond and experience this together, whatever happened. But I think necessarily sometimes in a, in a trip, like you kind of have to go your separate ways, especially through that experience. Like, and we learned that through the come up and letting go that we, 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 couldn't be like sitting there having conversation the whole time like we couldn't i couldn't have your experience you couldn't have my experience yeah and that's kind of what i was realizing is that like only you can have your experience and you necessarily have to have that and let go of expectations of communicating that to someone in order to then later communicate it with with someone like you have to have the experience first yeah yeah so yeah we had to go our separate ways and we were now our listeners have heard what we had gone through individually and how beautiful that was. And then after I was like coming kind of out of that peak feeling mm-hmm. of just being completely weighted down by the moment. And I was looking at you. I was kind of moving around now. And we were talking like a little bit here and there. And I was like changing the music. And I was becoming more active. And I could feel myself like livening up and like working into like the most beautiful place that I've ever found, which is like on acid after the peak, which is Mm -hmm. where I'm like the most myself. I feel like I'm like the most creative, most playful, most spontaneous. And I'm just like so authentic. And I just want to like run around and scream because everything is so fantastic. And I'm just like, Oh my God, just full of life. Obviously back in a state of mind where I could use language and use my body and connect to another human being. Mm -hmm. And it was really exciting because like there were a few points in the trip where you kind of asked me what I was experiencing. Yeah. And you, you were like, I don't know, you asked me what I was thinking. And I was like, just silent. And like, there are no words. Yeah. And you were like, oh no, try. And I'm like, (laughs) no, like that's the point. There is no, there are no words. Like this is good. This is, this is it. And like, Mm -hmm. I have to go there first so I can tell you later. Um, and then we were finally getting to that kind of that later point where there was all that energy and material now to, to work with and to express to each other. And like, I think, I think that's an essential part when you're tripping with somebody else is like to go your own separate ways, have an experience and then come back and be like, Whoa, dude, like you have no idea what I just saw, (laughs) what I just experienced. And then you like bond and connect and you're like, Oh, this is so great. And you have that like emotional connection and that like identity connection with another person you're like we had this shared experience and there's like that intense moment of bonding like Mm -hmm. that's where the bonding happens is when you come back together and you share yeah and then you delight in the sensation of being alive like you then play life you know yeah yeah i was just like experiencing pure existence and i was like now let's play Mm -hmm. let's create and that's, that's usually the time when I'm tripping is like where I'm like, oh, I want to type about things. I want to write about things. I want to like listen to music and think about people and think about life and be like, oh my God, it's all so amazing. You know, I <laughs> yeah, go yeah. off. For sure. Uh-huh. But then because like we were, we were kind of getting into that and we were working into that. But then this idea of going for a walk mm-hmm. was weighing on us and like the time of day and the curfew was were weighing on us. And we're like, oh shit let's go do this. And we kind of like, I was still tripping pretty hard (laughs) at first, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And I I was excited. Like, yeah, let's go. We, uh, we invited Will's roommate, Chris, our friend, our mutual friend. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, we kind of just like rushed out of the space because we had this pressure to do something. 
and I didn't immediately recognize that this was a mistake. We left the space, we left the apartment, and we 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 left without like reconvening. Mm-hmm. We like we threw ourselves into a different level of being. Yeah. Like regular life. Being outside, there's cars, there's people. We walked with our friend who had just been like doing his thing all day, like working, living a sober life. <laughs> and it just like it kind of shattered that that mm-hmm. that illusion. It's like waking up from a dream. And you like can't go back. You've like lost the dream, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I can't go back to that now, as much as you want to. And we didn't. I didn't even realize it at first. I was kind of just like, oh, like no, this is fun. We're just on to the next thing. But like, I was still super high when we were here, and almost immediately upon like going out into the world, I felt like sober and back in my like that normal state of being, back into those old feelings I I had just worked so hard to like undo myself of which were like the social pressure to like present a certain way and to like act a certain way and say the right thing and like follow the social script yeah and it was just kind of jarring because like you you just can't go back yeah (laughs) it was just like the crushing weight of there's a social world out here and like yeah like we we went to a, a restaurant to get Chris some food (laughs) and like while waiting in the restaurant I was just like I am high as fuck on acid and we're standing in the middle of a restaurant and I just became very anxious because I was like what if they know I'm on acid (laughs) I mean I guess like I wasn't even high at that point but I still felt the acid yeah and so I was just like yeah I'm sitting in the middle of a restaurant like waiting for this food and fucking I'm on acid and I just yeah. like couldn't not think about that and I was just like oh my god yeah and it's really weird because I've also in other times I've like I on mushrooms after Oshiaga mm-hmm. like I remember going to a restaurant after the first night and we like I remember it was like I was so high and it was like a profound experience <laughs> where where I actually I, I, I maintained that that perception of no social roles yeah, and I felt yeah. like I could just like take my time and like everything was super interesting and like it was still my playground mm-hmm. the world was the same as it was like it, the the trip feeling moved with me yeah, whereas yeah. this time it was like I just felt completely snapped out of it like it was really lost and I don't know that was just like it was just really weird and then we kind of just walk back to your place mm-hmm hung out for a bit felt just very normal like uh, all the other times like you and i barely if at all like touched on our experiences yeah and then i was like oh shit i gotta go home because the curfew is going to be yeah in effect very soon and that was it Mm -hmm. that was it and um I remember upon arriving back to my place, I realized I didn't have my phone mm-hmm. that I left it at your place. And, and we live a block away because listeners don't know that. <laughs> and it's connected through an alley. So I was like, I'll run through the alley. They won't find me there. And like, I got my phone back, but then I ran back again. And I was just like, I arrived back here in my like silent apartment. Yeah, and yeah. I just felt like the weight of my anxious personality back on me like I just snapped back so quickly and after like such a beautiful day of of undoing of all that and like of the freedom and the excitement to be in that like really creative space Mm. post acid Mm. peak was like it had just been like washed away and I was just back to my old self and I couldn't like help but feel 
so disappointed and yeah. so like yeah like like i missed out on something that was so valuable which was what we had intended to create together which was a space for us to bond yeah you know yeah and i really feel like that that just like that that feeling of being like yanked out of the experience and not having the experience come to like a a, a emotionally satisfying conclusion mm-hmm. like really fucked me up too because i was just like sitting there talking to chris and I would like, I felt so just anxious. And again, like that feeling of not feeling comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. And I would just like, sh- I would like shiver, but it would be the most intense shiver where my, like my teeth are chattering. And I just like had to get this energy like out of my mind, out of my body. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I did that multiple times. And Chris was just like, you okay, dude? Like he was sitting across the table talking yeah. to me. I'm like, I just feel really, really anxious right now. And I like, I was, I felt like I was freezing to death and I felt like, just like shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it just like, just not having that time to touch in with somebody I just had this experience with and touch in with myself too. Yeah. You know, touching with myself through the talking with you. Yeah. It's like, that was such a loss for the experience, I think. Yeah. You know, and again, it was because we just felt we needed to go outside and experience the nature <laughs> Because we just didn't have the time. And we and didn't I, even. We walked downtown and like went into some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think that was a really low blow from Chris taking <laughs> us into this restaurant. It's like, we're on acid. Chris, if you're on. listening, it's your fault. It is all his fault. I'm not taking any responsibility for this whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like. Yeah, it, it was like the emotional connection we missed out on because yeah. like like we both talked about the resistance we were feeling and coming up mm-hmm. and then in letting go. All of that happened in our own heads. That wasn't something we were working through together. So, like, yeah. I never even, like, saw you and your experience that whole time. Well, one thing we should consider doing next time is uh, eye gazing. Mm. Like, sitting down across <laughs> from each other and just, like, staring into the other's eye. Whoa. Apparently, it's a really intense thing. That sounds really intense. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about in the context of psychedelics, ah. but it's, like, very difficult to do sober. I feel like it'd be amplified with Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Once... once a guy asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I know this story. I, uh, um, he wanted us to lie on each other. I assume with me on top because he was a large man. Yeah. But like when I breathed in, he would breathe out and he said that we could become one nervous system. <laughs> and I mean, like if you're into that and like, I'm not trying to shit on Tantra. I think it's all amazing and it can be very intimate, but like, I had hung out with this guy one time and it was really uncalled for. So it's a really uncomfortable memory. And I don't know if I'll include this in the podcast. If you're listening, that was creepy. And don't ever do that to a girl again. But yeah, we could try that. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I wouldn't feel crazy, actually. I don't really know what that would feel like. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) But yeah, like we really wanted to share that because ultimately yeah we it's like and i i think this was a, a gra- still a great first time and a great experience with another person because we both worked through so much and obviously like there's a lot of insight that came out of this that we have to to work with now yeah and i mean i took a lot of it from it for sure yeah they're just mm-hmm. there we we recognized what we could have done better and mm-hmm We'll be more conscious next time. That's all we can do. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we won't have curfew to deal with. Hopefully not. Yeah. Pray for us. 
So what's <laughs> one thing you could say you took from this experience that's like an integration step? Great question, because honestly, another another point that was like so very jarring about like this trip ending and not having a satisfying conclusion was the fact that we were still in the context of like the middle of the semester for university. And so I really, I, I, I really like took hard emotionally to this. I think like the entire next day I was just like an open wound just like wanted to cry over everything and nothing like I was like happy and I felt like a tenderness towards everyone mm -hmm. but like I just wanted to cry all day I yeah. remember being at work and just like having to go to the back and like cry for a bit and then go back on shift because I was like this is I was just so emotionally full yeah and just like a raw nerve and um and then like Oh, back into so much to do with school. So there hasn't been a lot of time. And I, I was kind of disappointed with that as well. And I had this feeling like maybe I shouldn't trip during the semester because there's just not enough time that I can allow myself to like integrate and journal mm -hmm. after an experience like that. And then it wasn't until preparing for this podcast, like this was only a month or two ago. What'd you say? What month did we do this in? It was March. Yeah, it was March. Okay. Yeah. And we're in April now. So it wasn't that long ago, but... I really hadn't started journaling about it until preparing for this podcast. And in doing so, I haven't journaled specifically about integration yet and how okay. I want to integrate some of these lessons. Mm -hmm. But through journaling and pre preparation for discussing it today, I did distill like some main lessons that I now know and now I can go forward and determine how to integrate but mm. the first one was about like the the kind of surrendering to not knowing and like like how how like the chaos necessarily precedes order and the not knowing necessarily precedes knowing and how to like basically this idea which is something that i've experienced with psychedelics before but in the context of like a social context like seeing that weight i was holding on everything and like trying to to orchestrate and curate myself mm -hmm to be perceived a certain way was like holding me back from having a genuine experience with somebody else because I wasn't being authentic. Yeah. 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 So it was okay. just like learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I was dealing with a lot around that time and like still am to a degree because like this whole semester has been like a mess of anxiety <laughs> and like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but like I'm I'm kind of just the practice of allowing myself not to know what's going to happen. I feel like a big thing that I, I notice is that like learning to be okay with discomfort mm -hmm. yeah. and like sinking into that feeling. Exactly. That's it. That's yeah. it. To get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Cool. Is what I took from it. That was one of the main lessons and then also Realizing the necessary error that comes with any method of trying to capture your subjective experience mm. and ultimately practicing having experiences, practicing moving into that like pure experience and like finding the beauty there and like having that be enough to have to experience it on your own and not try to like capture it, I guess. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... um 
It's being in the moment. It really yeah. is what you're saying. Just being yeah. in the moment and being like fully present to whatever happens and not need to like capture it or to explain it yeah. or anything like that. Just like to let go yeah. into the moment. For sure. Yeah. And then the lesson of tripping with you as another mm. person and like being being sensitive to the container that is created. Yeah. Well, I feel that next time it's going to be much less anxiety inducing because we've done it before now. Of course. Yeah. You know like, what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hope so. <laughs> like my God. Yeah. But yeah. And like, obviously we have this experience now. So like that's something to draw on. Like when we're having these for me, like all the, the undoing and the, the letting go, like I, I know that I went through that now and like I had, I have those tools yeah. to like realize what's happening Mm-hmm. And then consciously like do the, do what I have to do to work through it, which is like maybe yeah. telling you like, okay, I'm going to go there now. Like have that. Yeah. And yeah. like pushing into the resistance too with like the music thing. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, there, there were a few things that I wrote down during the trip that I think I need to work on, but for the major portion of this trip, which was like kind of the God experience. It's really difficult to try to like take something away from that. Cause I can say like, okay, we're all one. So I should treat people with respect, but it's like, I mean, I try to do that anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the thing that I really got from that experience was I feel like I get the point of meditation. Now I know yeah. what meditation is really aiming for. Or at least I think I do, right? Uh-huh. Like I'm, I'm always open to the idea that like this experience was just a psychedelic trip and it had nothing to do with like the path of enlightenment, whatever that means, you know, I, I want to be, that mean? I, well, I want to be, I want to be skeptical <laughs> towards my experience. I don't want to think that, okay, I've got it now. I never want to think that. Of you know? course not. Yeah. I always want to think that like, okay, I've experienced enlightenment. I've watched, I've experienced ego death and I've become like not in a state of non-duality, whatever that means, you know? Mm-hmm. But never think that that's like the final answer, that there's always something more and always like turn my own consciousness back on itself and go meta on the experience say, was that really the experience? Is there something more to be taken here? And kind of just always go back and not from a place of like no satisfaction, but from a place of just like exploration, of just like discovering more. There's always more to explore. Yeah. And. But wait, wait one second on that, on that though, like. I think it's also really important to not downplay your experience in that like, oh, maybe I don't know. Like somebody else knows, but I don't. And like my experience always has to be like, like chasing after like, what is enlightenment really? Like when they talk about enlightenment, it doesn't Mm. match that. Like enlightenment is like your experience of enlightenment. So like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. And I think that um, it's very easy to like go and try to get like permission Mm -hmm. for an experience you had and like to be like, oh, is this... Was I a good boy? Was this good? Yeah. But it's like, I had this really intense experience and it seems to be exactly what, like I said earlier, the mystics of how many thousands of years have described. Yeah. Right. But I just want to explore more. Mm-hmm. I always want to like that. that that's the, I guess that's my point is that yeah. it, it, it motivated me to explore more and I got a taste of what it might be. And so I want to go deeper into it. And so I've kind of like, I've been wanting to have like a more 
legitimate meditation practice, because mm-hmm. I meditate about 20 to 30 minutes, I would say about on average four to five days per week, mm-hmm. right? Before this experience. And I wanted to have like a more legitimate, and again, that's like asking permission from somebody else to say whether it's legitimate or not, but just that more like go to the experts and say, okay, I'm going to take the beginner's mindset and I'm going to go through the process of like learning meditation and the philosophy of meditation from a book, take notes and really study it and really come to know it, Yeah. right? Learn the fundamentals. And so I've, I, I bought this book called uh, The Three Pillars of Zen uh, by Philip Kaplan. And basically what I'm doing is meditating an hour each day. And I think I've done that for 12 days now. Um, and just like, again, I, I would read, I would read a, a chapter of the book and just implement for the next week that thing. So I'm only on the second chapter now mm-hmm. and just like slowly integrating each lesson of it and really just like studying the philosophy of this thing. And mm-hmm. Zen Buddhism has always really spoken to me. That's always been something that I've been interested in. Mm-hmm. So I just chose that. And I'm like, okay, I am a student of Zen Buddhism. Now I'm going to take the beginner's mindset and really learn it and be humble and just take my lumps, yeah. get the experiences. And I mean, last Saturday I was sitting there around the 50th minute of the meditation. I just had this like feeling of euphoria wash over me. And I just started like, I just like leaned over into my, my lap with my head and hands, which just like crying and laughing to myself. And it just felt like so grateful and loving to like myself and just everything just like had this intense experience of love Mm -hmm. and this was after six days of doing an hour meditation Mm -hmm. i think some like something like that an hour meditation and just being really focused on having like the fundamentals down Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's just the acid trip and that experience that i had last saturday really just showed me how important meditation is and what I'm really looking for. And so the integration lesson is really being like, okay, this is now a serious practice that I'm, I'm undergoing in my life. And I'm, I'm really a student of this rather than somebody who's doing it casually. Yeah. Or even just like, I mean, you've been meditating for a while and for a couple of years now. Yeah. And it's just like, I know for me when I started meditating too, it's just like, you think, you know, kind of, and you also have like this, ambition to like add on more more time yeah. without necessarily getting better at meditation you're just mm-hmm. like getting better at sitting there longer which is yeah. part of it for sure mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that because that's part of it but like that's also coming kind of in some ways i'm not saying you do this but it, it could come from like an ego place where you're just like i just want to meditate for 30 minutes just to say, or 45 or an hour, just yeah, to yeah. say I meditate for that long so I can feel. I meditate for this long. Yeah, so that you yeah. feel like, oh, I'm more, I'm better at this because I can do it for longer. Yeah. But like, where is your mind during that? Like, where is your will and attention? Where, yeah. where are you placing it? How are you directing it? And mm. like, what are you getting from this? Um, so that's, that's great. It's like taking that beginner's mindset and like implementing a very specific strategy through yeah. like reading a book about it. And yeah going step by step good for you thank you <laughs> yeah and and that's that's like it, it seems like such a small thing or maybe it doesn't i don't know yeah. but it, it's it really is evidence for the psychedelic experience being at least a taste of what you can get sober oh for you know sure. what i mean and it's like 
I don't know if I'll ever be, if I'll ever attain a state like what I experienced on acid again sober, mm -hmm. but that's not even the point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I see the benefit of doing that. I've had a lot of benefit with meditation already. And it's just like, I'm just interested in what I could experience. Yeah. Like I don't even, like I'm not even, it's, it's almost like I, I don't even care what experience I have. It's just, it seems so fascinating. And I just want to know like, what is there in yeah. this? You know, if that makes sense. For sure. It's yeah. just like exploring your own consciousness. Yeah. It's just you doing different things to yourself as the universe. Yeah. And you yeah. like having that realization that you are the one doing it to mm. yourself. So why not explore all of it? Like, yeah. why not keep going? Exactly. Do more for your own enjoyment, for your own yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. Whatever comes from that, whatever you can take, whatever you can apply. Yeah. <sighs> so I think we should wrap up. Yeah. Holy fuck. We're on Sorry. A three hours and Everybody. 20 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously this is going to be in two parts. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you so much for watching yeah, these two episodes. Honestly, if you, if you got through both of them, we really appreciate you. Yeah. And like, yeah. I hope you enjoy this. Yeah. I mean, there was some, some good philosophical stuff there. Some, some good, good psychological healing. Oh yeah. I yeah. know. And like I said, like I, I, I haven't even started integrating this yet. And like, yeah. even as we're talking about this, like so much is coming up because I've been like going to church lately and this is like a new yeah. dimension that my spirituality has taken. And there's a lot, but yeah. like, that's another time we can, we're going to have lots of conversations Yep. and we'll record them. We will. That's what this we're doing for here. your enjoyment, for your entertainment as the universe. Okay. okay. Have a good day, everyone. Yeah. You can follow us on Wild in Theology at Wild in Theology or at Wild in Theology. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. I don't know if we have a Facebook. No, we don't have a Facebook page. Not yet. Okay. Someone's gonna steal it now. Fuck. Fuck you, whoever you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so okay, much. Okay. Bye. <laughs>